everybody. Welcome back in to a brand new episode of Dimming the Gaslight. My name's Mac, and uh, thanks for coming back for episode 40. Holy shit. My podcast is going through a quarter-life crisis, I guess a midlife crisis. Um, so listen, uh, before I get into this next episode, which I am so excited about, I want to thank Tessa, the self-aware narcissist, for last week's episode. Um, after, I, after I recorded the first one, I said, like, very mixed reaction about the whole thing. And um, some people loved it, some people don't trust her. It's kind of all over the map. But um, personally speaking, I learned a lot from these episodes, and I hope you did too. I can really see that that Tessa is suffering, honestly. Um, she's really going through it, and uh, you know, I hope that she can get the help that she needs. It's not me that can give her the help that she needs, you know what I'm saying? Um, but I hope she, I'm glad that she's taking some steps to recovery, so I'm really, really proud of her. Um, also, so this next episode that I'm about to put out, I'm so excited for. The guy that I have on this episode is the reason that I started this podcast. He was the inspiration behind it. Um, I annoyed the living hell out of him for 40 episodes long. And I said, you have to be on my podcast. You have to do this for me. And uh, we just finally lined up the time to do it. And I'm so, so, so excited. This is a really cool episode. Um, also, one more thing I'm going to say is that personally speaking, I want to tell you just a little story. Um, next week's episode will be on the one year anniversary that I left my home. Um, I'm planning on recording kind of like a what I've learned in the last year uh, type of episode. So I hope you guys come back for next week. Um, I'm planning it out in my brain, but it's going to be kind of an emotional one and uh, it's going to be a reflective one and I'm really excited for it. Um, so come back for next week's episode. Um, and yeah, so check this out. Let's get to this week's episode. Uh, this guy is awesome, and he is probably my biggest supporter in the NAR community. So I appreciate the hell out of him. Uh, check out this episode. All right, everybody. Welcome into a brand new episode of Giving the Gaslight. So this episode is probably the most self-serving one uh, I've ever done because I'm fanboying out right now. So my guest on the podcast this week is the guy who essentially turned me on to narcissism. Like knowing, like, fuck, yeah, no, this is really narcissism, and I'm really going through narcissistic abuse. So my guest on the show today is Phil from the Surviving the Covert Narcissist podcast. Phil, say what's up. Hey, you're ridiculous. <laughs> <laughs> Yo, so, okay, listen. Phil doesn't, I, I, I'm, I've told Phil this many, many times. Like, Phil is my own little personal celebrity and i'm gonna fucking tell you why right so i okay let me let me go back on a little backstory so when i was in question when i discovered gaslighting and i was in question of if i was a victim of narcissistic abuse i listened to podcasts so what i did is i started going out and searching for a podcast from a male perspective about female narcissism and i came across this podcast on apple music and it's called Surviving the Covert Narcissist. And Phil was the host of that show. And I just wanted to listen to his story. And everything that came out of this guy's mouth was like, yeah, yeah, fuck, yeah. Oh, my God. Yes, yes, yes. And it was like talking, listening to a friend, right? And um, I, I listened to, I used to lay in my couch in my basement of my old house when I was still married. 
And I used to just stare up at the ceiling at 11 o'clock with my headphones in and just listen to Phil. And I was just like, oh my God, like this guy gets it. So um, I reached out to Phil. This is almost a year ago at this point. This is a year ago at this time. And I reached out to Phil and I sent him an email and I was like, hey, you know, I came across your podcast, but um, if Phil, I don't know if you remember this. Like one of the things I remember, like I had two small kids and I was like, how do you ever... Uh, how'd you ever get the courage to leave your kids? And I don't think you ever touched on that on a podcast. So like I went out and I emailed you and then I was like, yo, and then I never heard back from you. But then like two months after it was around Christmas time and I, you sent me a message. And so for anybody listening, Phil is no longer allowed to do his podcast. And, and we're not necessarily going to get into why, if you want to check out his podcast, like I said, it's on Apple music. It's called Surviving the Covert Narcissist. So if you want to check out his story, go go listen to it there. But we're not going to talk about it on this episode. Um, we're going to talk about narcissism in a much more general sense for this episode. And we'll talk about my situation. Um, but yeah, Phil and I have connected. And it's almost like, I, I joke with Phil, I'm like, it's like watching The Sopranos. And now I get to talk to my own personal Tony Soprano. So I gush over you like you're in the Backstreet Boys. And you're like my fucking own little personal celebrity, dude. So thanks for doing this with me, Phil. I always said to you, like, dude, if I never had you on this podcast, if this podcast ever ended and I never had you on, it would feel so incomplete to me. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, uh, yeah, I know we talked about that many times. I mean, we've spoken, I mean, at certain points, you know, multiple times a day, especially when you were really going through the thick of it, you know? <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, uh, yeah, it's just the next phase the next level it's always it's always you know moving forward though you're always making progress so um so i mean yeah i i remember when i i remember when i uh yeah because i stopped doing my podcast and i kind of stopped a lot of things like looking at emails and everything else there for a while and then i pulled up yours um and you know, it's like the whole point in my podcast was to help people. You know, that th that's that's really the only reason was like because I went into the same thing you did, which was trying to find things from a male's perspective, and there wasn't one. I was like, "Fuck it, I'm gonna do my own," you know, type thing. So I did, and then um, yeah, when I came across you, it was just kind of like there was like an instant connection, and I like felt for you, and you were like, "What were you? Weren't you like living in your basement or?" Like when you messaged me, you were like, stay when you first messaged me, I think you were still there, weren't you? I was still in my home. Yeah. Yeah. When I first messaged you, I was still in my home. And I didn't see it for like a month. Two. Two. I messaged you uh, like mid-October and I didn't hear from you until like the end of December. And I remember I was sitting actually in my doctor's office and I was just scrolling through my phone and I got this pop up and I'm like, no shit like i was like yes like this guy fucking rocks and then and then um you know you and i started having a conversation and we i remember the first time we were talking we talked for like five hours on the phone oh my god this guy's got a parakeet on his fucking head he's got a bird uh it's like a parakeet and every time i talk to this guy on the phone it's always like squawking and stuff but he's gonna be the mascot of this episode yeah you might hear him he gets obnoxious sometimes it's a per parrot, by the way. It's not a parrot. <laughs> it's a bird. Bro, and then, yeah, so I didn't hear from you for, like, two months. And then, um, yeah, we started talking. Like, I remember the first time we ever talked, you gave me your phone number. And we talked for, like, 
five fucking hours. And I remember I was walking around a track in the dark, in the cold, in the winter, in December, talking to you for five hours. And you were like, whoa. And, and everything, like, it was just this weird connection. And then you were the reason I started this podcast. Because, like, um, you and I had this conversation about, um, you know, like, you, you said to me, like, you know, you wanted me to do your podcast in some sort of, like, capacity. And then, you know, when we found out that you couldn't continue, it was like, well, why don't you just start your own? And I was like, holy shit. And then, yeah, here we are. Like, a year later. Like, it's amazing how things change in a year. Yeah. <laughs> it's 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 pretty wild. It was just kind of like, fuck it, dude, do your own. Like, I mean, people need to hear the message. People, you know, especially guys, you know, need to get the message out and, you know, obviously girls alike, you know, can can gain knowledge from it. But I mean, there there is, you know, a, a clear I feel like, you know, the more and more I see there's 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 same there seems to be a need for that message to be heard from, you know, a male's perspective as as well, which, you know, you basically have been passed on the torch. <laughs> Well, thank you, dude. And I and I hope I'm doing your thing justice. Like I'm hoping I'm doing your shtick justice because not for nothing, I'm not gonna lie, I rip off a lot from Phil because Phil was like super inspiring to me. You know what I mean? Like, um so dude, like, can you tell us well two things. I have two questions that I don't know if you and I have really ever talked about. A, how did you come across narcissism? And B, what gave you the idea to start your podcast? I mean I mean, when I came across narcissism, I, I've got to be very careful with how I, I word things about my own personal story. So, um, I mean, a lot of it was was sorry. He's trying to eat my computer, and I had to move him. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I I started going to a therapist, and then, I mean, for lack of a better term, it was kind of like, you know, I thought narcissism was ego. I just thought it was ego. I thought it was just kind of like vanity, you know, someone that is really vain and big headed and everything else. Um, and so when I um, was presented with the idea that I might, you know, yeah, basically I, I, can't, I can't really say sir. So I discovered it through my therapist and then I kind of went down a rabbit hole reading books and I was like, Oh shit. Oh shit. Oh shit. And I just, I, I couldn't get enough books. My sister, I was, I was kind of broke at a certain point and my sister was sending me, um, you know, credits through her audible account so I could have books. So I'm sitting there just like, you know, working at the time I was in sales. So it's like, I had my headphones in listening to books. If I wasn't with a customer, I'm just like absorbing everything. And I just couldn't, I couldn't get enough. You, want to you know, somebody? When I when I was a kid, I used to watch professional wrestling, and there was a professional wrestler that was named the Narcissist, and he was a wrestler named Lex Luger. Did you watch pro wrestling as a kid? Yeah, I I, I don't remember that. Was it Lex Luger? Lex Luger was a professional wrestler, and he used to carry around a mirror, and he would do these shticks in the in the ring, and he would have a big full length mirror, and he was called the Narcissist. But he was this big muscle bound, like American gladiator esque type dude. And he was the narcissist. And that was always what I thought narcissism was. You know, that's, because of fucking Wes Luger. <laughs> that might be that might be, you know, there might have been some subliminal thoughts in, in my process too, you know, because I didn't I mean, I guess I never heard the term back then, but I remember watching wrestling around that era, you know. So I wonder if if somehow that, you know, 
bled into my subconscious without my, you know, actual like conscious thought. No, I just thought it was extreme vanity. And then, okay, so then what gave you the idea to start your podcast? Um, I mean, a lot of it was note taking. I was taking my own personal notes and, and I just started thinking about, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd run into other people that had been in situations or guys that were like, dude, I have, you know, I've been going through this and I'm going through that. And I'm like, check, 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 you know, like, you know, and I'm, and so it was just kind of like, I could see that there was something kind of like a, a bridge that needed to be gapped when it came to like males going through, you know, certain types of abusive situations, um, you know, that I, I felt like it was just something that if my voice would help somebody else, which, you know, if it, if it could at least reach one person and get somebody else out of a bad situation, then my job is, is, is done. You know what I mean? Like, hopefully that can pass on the torch and it just kind of spreads like wildfire, just like anything else information. We're in the age of information. So we, we need to, it's like, why is there not more on this? You know, it's just kind of like, this doesn't make any sense to me. Um, for, for guys anyway, you know, like, um, but, uh, that was that, that was the idea, but yeah, that's the reason I started the podcast was just to reach a broader audience and hopefully, I mean, it at least reached one person, AKA. You got to me, man. Dude, I remember, and I still think to this day, like if I didn't have this podcast, like, I don't know, like I, I never really imagined that I would be telling these deep, dark secrets to the entire world and stuff. But like at the same point, it's like, I ne I can't imagine having kept it in, you know what I mean? For like, I can't imagine like just having this story that so many people are relating to and I'm relating to so many else, other people's stories, but like, I couldn't imagine just like sitting back and like internalizing this story and just letting it fester inside of me for the rest of my life. Yeah. Like, I yeah, I get it out. Yeah, I think there's there's a part of that too, for sure. That's just kind of like you have to be able to vent, you know. And sometimes people don't want to vent to hear their, you know, problems answered. They just want to vent, you know. <laughs> sometimes just that that you know verbal release kind of gets something off the off the chest a little bit. And so yeah, I can I can definitely see how that helps, you know. And that, and that is weird because it's like I think a part of it is you know. Um, when, when people are in a relationship like that for so long, it's kind of like uh, a kinked water hose. <laughs> oh, I like that analogy. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. It just popped into my head, but it's just like, you, it's just building up and building up and eventually like, you know, when, it break, when you, when you unkink it, it just explodes. It's just like, boom. And like a word vomit all over the place and like trying to like, you know, formulate the right thing. And if you, and if you let it out to the wrong person that doesn't understand what you're talking about, I mean, either, you know? I then they just like that. I post shit like that on Instagram all the time. It's like trying to explain narcissistic abuse to somebody who's never like under like who's never experienced narcissistic abuse. It's like you look like a fucking crazy person. Yeah, you do. You do. And I and I feel like, you know, once all of this happened to me, like I went back to different times in my life and different, you know, places, you know, and and uh different experiences, even like through work and stuff like that, you know, where people have tried to say things to me about what they were going through. And I'm like, holy shit. Like, cause I didn't understand it. And I'm just kind of like, holy shit. How, how did this person get into a situation? Like, you know what I mean? And because you just don't get it, you know, like we'll just get out, you know, bottom line, just get out. Just why, why do you put I know, I know, but that's, you know, it's the same thing that like we always hear that's like, those are the wrong people to, to, you know, 
but I've been on that side of it too, to, to where I've been like, why does this person stick around? Like, if this is what's going on, just get it out. The end. All right. Well, they're too stupid to get out. And next, you know, move on, you know, like, and, that, and that's like people's mentality unless, unless they've experienced it firsthand, you know, and so you kind of have, but be doing, doing a podcast, you know, I mean, bring it a full circle to that. It's like, you know, you're, you're kind of speaking to the audience that's finding you with certain key words and phrases to make it seem like, you know, most of the people that you're talking to are not going to think you're crazy because that's the reason they're listening to your podcast. So it's, you know, it's, it's a good place to, to, to release that energy for sure. Totally, man. And like, you know, you sit back and, and see like, so my thing is now, like, I don't tell people to get out because I know how that feels when you're like, dude, just get out. And everybody, you know, if you say that to somebody, yeah. they just sit back and they go, it's not that fucking easy. And I get it because once you leave now, like, you know, well, you and I, well, me personally, I have all this post separation abuse that I have to go through. But my best advice to somebody who's still in it is document, 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 create your evidence because it's not for nothing. And, you know, it might never see the light of day, but the more you have, the more you can present, you know what I mean? And it's going to cost you an arm and a leg, but it's also going to save your life, potentially, all this evidence that you create, audio recordings, videos, pictures, whatever, text messages, everything, create your evidence. Yeah, and that's that's the one, like, general theme I got from reading books, you know, um, a lot of the books, and then I, you know, different phases of where I was um were dependent upon what books i was reading but i mean another good reason to document really other than just for you know legal evidence is to keep you from being hoovered you know if you're if you if you know because the hoover is the motherfucker i mean people get out of relationships and get sucked right back into them you know three times four times five times six times seven times you know just what, what do they say? Don't, don't they say something like there's a certain average amount of times you try to leave a narcissist before you eventually do, which I believe it's like seven times or something like that. I was going to say seven, and I believe you said that on your podcast. I have like this, I have this Rain Man thing about your podcast where like I remember specific details about your show that like I fucking remember. I mean, there's certain times where you've gone back and like texted me like, dude, I forgot about this part or dude, I forgot about that. I'm listening to you again. It's like, I can't talk to you right now, but I'll, I, I could at least, you know, pretend like I'm talking to you by listening to your podcast. <laughs> yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. Like I have you in my pocket and that's like the coolest fucking thing is like, and like, I'll go back and it'll be like, yo, Phil, I just fucking listened to something you said like fucking a year and a half ago. And bro, did you feel this way? It was like, oh, it's exactly how I felt. And it's just like, it's so cool the way we connected. But yeah, like going back to the evidence, like, yeah, to stop yourself from being hoovered, right? And like, luckily for me, I talked about this on a recent episode um, with the self-aware narcissist Tessa is like, Tessa says, because she's a self-aware narcissist, she says she doesn't do the hoovering thing. And the reason she doesn't do the hoovering thing is her, for lack of a better term, quote unquote, target already has their mind made up about the narcissist, right? Like, so they're now the enemy to the narcissist. So my ex, I mean, yeah, I mean, like I'm, I'm compartmentalizing some of this, but within the relationship, I was, you know, like with it. And I know that sounds kind of counterintuitive, but like when it was over, it was over and the line was in the sand. And now we are mortal enemies. <laughs> I mean, 
Yeah, I, I think the the I know I know with, you know, not not as much necessarily my story, but I've talked to other people, too, that or or even listen to other things to where they've said, you know, um, if you're feeling like, you know, you are getting drawn back in, it's been a while, you know, you separate, especially if there's no kids involved then you know, if there's no kids involved. A lot of times the moral enemies for life thing will dissipate fairly quickly and you know emotions could get more entangled down the road later on because it's not like you're having to deal with this person at their worst but like, like you're having to deal with um now but yeah so so i mean essentially you know having that track record of things to be like you know he's trying to pull me back in or she's trying to pull me back in and then you can go back and you can read the shit they did read the shit they did and been like oh yeah, I remember when this happened and put yourself like it, it's tough because it's almost like re-traumatizing yourself. You're going back into these, you know, pockets of your brain memory where you don't want to revisit. But if it's going to keep you safe, if you're feeling like, man, I really want to get back with them. I really want to, even if it's just for like a night or something, you know, you feel draw to them. Right. Um, because there is there's this horrible trauma bond that happens and then like somehow you start to if you don't have these things written down you can start to like you know when they're being kind to you and trying to like you know try to redazzle you back into their fight i don't know i i mean to be dazzle you remember when you were kids the be dazzler yeah <laughs> you know what i'm saying. you know what i'm saying i point is you know being able to 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 look back at the real them the side of them that pushed you away in the first place and it's like nope i see the mirage here and i'm not gonna you know fall for it but if you don't ever write shit down you don't ever take videos you don't ever take pictures or audio recordings like you know it's easy to to forget those things well then and all you have is just like you if you don't have that stuff then you're just relying on your own memory and not for nothing like my memory plays tricks on like my memory wants to remember, you know, going down to the beach and taking our kids to the shore or family vacations or, you know, that one time we had great sex or, you know, like all this kind of fucking shit like stays in my brain. And it's like when I really go deeper into it, too, I remember that like nothing was ever perfect. Everything was flawed in some way. We had a fight before. We had a fight after. It's like there's really never some cumulative event that I can remember was like perfect besides the love bombing stage but then fuck even if i go back and i think at the love bombing stage it's like a lot of times it's like i i don't mean to start sound like the narcissist but like a lot of the times like i'm the one who created the great event you know what i mean like i planned the vacation i picked where we were gonna go i you know planned the horseback riding or or you know the restaurants that we would go to where i booked the hotel and the flights and everything and it's like rarely did they ever really contribute to anything and then now like go, going through like our family wizard messages she tries to taunt me and say like oh i know you miss me and you want me back and it's like what do i want back I, I, like i can't really what did you ever do for me i don't remember i don't remember any like what did you do yeah <laughs> you know like fuck, <laughs> so um yeah. so i like it's funny too like you're it's funny I feel like sometimes my voice is in your mouth because like, or my thoughts are in your mouth because like you just go in the trauma bond is so strong. It's like, 
once you, it's so validating once you discover these podcasts and these Instagram pages and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, dude, there's a word for everything. And like when we're in it, I can remember just like staring at my ceiling in my bedroom and just being like, I'm the only person in the world. Yeah, yeah you think the only one. Yeah. And now it's like everybody. Yeah. <laughs> like See, everybody. You, once you start to discover that you're not the only one and that it's a very common you know, symptom and there's a certain pattern that's just very like typical that it's like all the things that I thought were so special about this, all the things that I thought were so special about that. None of it was special. None of it was only me. Like, you know, and then it's like a lot of that luster, a lot of that like allure, I guess, is kind of like washed away, you know? Well, not for nothing too. Then you have this feeling where like, you know, that like you have a lot to offer so like, you know, that you can just take what you have and give it to somebody else. And you know, it's going to be like readily received, you know? Right. Yeah. Lane. Yeah. He's distracting the crowd. He bit me like three times when I was trying to move him. Look at me. For anybody Talk. listening, his bird's name is Lane, like Lane Staley from Allison Chains, which I actually, that was one of the names I considered giving one of my, my children is I want to name Lane because Lane's such a badass name. The bird was supposed to be my girlfriend. She wanted the bird. She named him Lane because she loves Alex and Chains. And uh, I do too, but not not like she does. And uh, all he does is, is you know, he became, he became bonded with me. He decided that he was going to... Apparently, birds regurgitate on a person when they... Uh, when they are telling you that, you know, they are your person now. So, like... He, they was like, I'm fully bonded with you, puke. Uh, I like, now I was actually on a call with my therapist when it when it happened, and I'm just like, oh, the bird's growing up on me. I think it's dying. And then you know, my girlfriend's like, nope, nope, that that just means he's fully bonded with you. So thank you for taking my bird. I I appreciate it. He's <laughs> the mascot of the episode. Yeah, yeah. Maybe you could just take a picture of his face and put it as the icon for this episode. <laughs> Don't tap me with a good time, man. Um, so, like, what I'm thinking is, like, after you discovered narcissism and, you know, like, you started doing some of the research. Oh, one of the questions I'm going to ask you, and I remember from your podcast, uh, you were talking about some of the books you read. What are some of the books that you read that uh, expose you to narcissism? I remember one of them was Stop Walking on Eggshells, right? Yep. Stop walking on eggshells. Um, oh man, I wish I could look at my phone right now, but I'm on my phone to do this. I have like a whole slew of them. Yeah. There's one, uh, I think it was something like divorcing. It's it, something, something very simple, like divorcing a narcissist or, or, or something along those lines or what to do when divorcing a narcissist. And it's basically take you through a lot of the, um, you know, legalities that you're probably going to face or like kind of like the warnings of, you know, what can happen in a narcissistic relationship. I think one of the ones that, that, um, you know, really, I, I remembered a lot from that book was just kind of like the, um, either the embellishments or the accusations with no, um, evidence. Um, but also even taking into account, um, what the state of the world is, you know, and it somehow pulling that into the courtroom to sway a judge's decision. Um, I think that would be, um, you know, like over the last couple of years, you know, good example of that would be 
pulling COVID in to kind of sway the court's decision to do X, Y, Z when it comes to visitation or when it comes to, you know, how safe the other parent is and trying to kind of block the other parent from one another, you know, with COVID, you know, that, that could come into play easily. Um, you know, so whatever the state of the world is now, you know, they can even see Russia. I don't know. Like, well, whatever somehow he's a show is a reason i'm afraid i'm afraid we're gonna get bombed so or like world war three is going to start so you know what you can't have visitation with your kids it's like what are you a fucking narcissist like why you like because there was there was a guy that was you know in the in the book there's a guy that was with his his wife and he was middle eastern and it was um she started claiming that he was a, a, a you know a, a terrorist and that he had ties with al-qaeda because he was you know, from that region. And so, like, then she was trying to say that he had all these, like, secret missions. And the whole reason he was in America was was for all these secret missions. And, you know, then they had to investigate all these crazy accusations. There was there was no any of it. But, like, it's <laughs> the jumps, you know, it can make if you're not ready for it. That's what's going on with me now. So, like, she put this restraining order on me currently. And, uh... You know, it was in a public place. She said that I was abusive to her. Or like she said, I made a motion to her and she flinched and that I was abusive to my kids. So like, even though it's all going to be disproved, I have this long waiting period that like I have to go through child services and prove my innocence and I have to get drug tested and I got to get psychiatric evaluations. And it's like, I have to jump through these hoops that are a mile fucking high just to get my kids which are rightfully mine and like that's what they do they create these hoops to jump through but the thing that i always get caught up on is like why does she just get them and i have to prove it myself like why well i mean he who barks louder i guess you're right i mean i i, I don't i don't really know i mean that's the, the the crazy thing with me is like when i hear your story i'm just kind of like Okay, well, she's gonna have to prove it. She's gonna have to prove it. She's gonna have to prove it. Like, there's no proof. There's no proof, you know. Um, and it seems like you're still being blocked, you know. And you're just like constantly two steps behind, and you're constantly having to be in defense mode, and you're constantly having to defend yourself, you know. And, and, and with that, I've made peace with that. That I'll always be behind. Like, she will always be ahead of me. I've made peace with that. But, like, my biggest thing is, like, when I think that, then I'm like, yo, I just can't play. You know, like, don't play the game. Like, stay away from her minimal contact because she will always be two steps ahead of me. You know, like, right now, it's not like I, I fully believe, like, right now she's got this restraining order on me. But she's right now still plotting the next thing she can fucking do to me when this all gets settled. Yep. Yeah, that's the, and especially if you go a couple weeks without hearing much from her. You know, there's probably some plotting happening. <laughs> some. And you know what the thing is, too, like going back to like the books you read, like um, early on, not so much anymore, but people were always sending me books about like stuff I should read to educate myself about narcissism. And there was another book called um, Psychopath Free that I'll be honest, like somebody sent me an audiobook that I never actually read. But at this point, I, I mean, I, I hate to sound vain or whatever, but like I feel like I'm an expert about narcissism. Like what really more can anybody tell me about the subject that I don't already know? Yeah, I mean. There's always room to learn if you're open. That's fair. You know, I mean, I, I I feel like sometimes it's just good to give a quick brush up, you know, I mean, because like 
you know, she's not your last relationship you're ever going to be in. And, and when those, <laughs> but when you start to get dazzled at the beginning of the relationship, just based on your personality and who you are, you know, the bedazzling starts, she's going to upper you head to toe and glitter and, and a bling bling. Um, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god um, <laughs> you know it's good to like those red flags fresh in your memory you know so that you're not finding yourself i mean you've done interviews with people who have not had just one narcissist but two you know um and so it's good to like kind of always be a little bit on guard as to who you choose to open up to you know but I mean, the one book that I was thinking of too was uh, "Becoming a Narcissist's Nightmare," I believe. Was yeah, yeah, I did listen. I listened on audiobook. Yeah, that one is super long. I mean, even the audiobooks like almost twenty hours, I believe. Yeah. Um, but it's just a bunch of different small stories. And then at at one point, I was kind of like started looking up other cluster B personality types, and I read a book on. Um, not histrionic, uh, borderline, um, you know, read a book that we're going because a lot of times these, these, you know, some narcissistic, you know, people, um, for some reason, especially when it comes to like females tend to have more, um, you know, borderline mixed with narcissism or, you know, histrionic history. Women are commonly histrionic. I had a, I had an original therapist that I didn't vibe with very well. Um, and like hearing my story, she's like, she's not a narcissist. She's a histrionic. And I'm like, yeah, okay, listen. I was like, yes, she's, she's super vain and, and histrionics normally are like, you know, completely absorbed by their appearance and stuff. I'm like, but I told this original therapist and it, and I, ultimately I ended up dumping her, but I told her, listen, if you're not going to validate, like, I don't necessarily need your opinion. And I know that sounds fucked up, but I know what I know. And I know. I did know better than her. I'm like, I know this person. I know she's a fucking narcissist. And I Googled histrionic and I did my due diligence. And I'm like, I'm still sticking with my personal diagnosis because I know this person. I know her better than she knows herself, to be honest. Like, I know her. Yeah. And, it, 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 and it's very possible that she could have both, you know? Yeah, I'm sure. Sure. There's comorbidities with all this stuff. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, I, I did read some books on that, like, BPD and stuff like that and a lot of the the there was there was a few things but it, it didn't seem for my situation to to fit as well so um but either way it's good to to know these things because again the more you equip equip yourself for the future moving forward in your life you know the the better off you're gonna be you know so I think the biggest thing is you know always be a sponge so even if you think you know everything always be a sponge so stop it Yes, master. I just put my hands like a, like a, you know, praying motion and I just bowed my head to him and sure, Phil, whatever you say. Um, so you just talk about the future, dude. Like, so can you talk to us a little bit about like, um, what's your advice for like healing from narcissism? You know, because like, of course you go through this horrible grieving period, which for me, I talk about being lost at sea, you know, like I learned how to, like, I felt like I was in a rowboat lost at sea in constant thunderstorms in my head and like man i was fucking crying and puking and fucking shaking and like not sleeping not eating exercising my ass off you know like i was trying to just distract myself in any way and i know everybody has their own 
coping strategies, but um, what's your advice for, you know, the future? You just mentioned the future. Like, how do you begin to get through? Um, one day at a time. <laughs> I mean, it's, I mean, it, I feel like, I feel like there's, there's, it's just like grief or death or anything else. Like everybody's journey is a little bit different, you know, like some people heal a lot faster than others. Um, you know, I feel like I'm still healing. I mean, I feel like there's still, you know, I think the biggest thing for, for, you know, people when they're coming out of it, they get that initial high of like, oh, it's done. You know, like this feels great. I've got the whole world ahead of me. And then when that starts to fade, then it's like, shit, am I ever going to get over this? You know, there's like the phases of it, um, you know, and I know you felt that. Totally. And like, I remember, you know, there were times when I would be calling you and I would be, I remember it was one time, I'm not going to talk about why, uh, but I remember sitting in a, um, in a mall parking lot, literally yep. just crying, like unable to breathe and just crying and crying going, like just punching my steering wheel going, I can't believe this is my fucking life right now. I can't believe this is my fucking life. Like, how the fuck did I get here? And I know how I got here, but um, I think such an important thing is too, is that, you know, I've heard so many times is that healing is not linear. So like those times when you're just at your worst, like let's call a spade a spade. When you're at your worst, like that's not nothing is forever and nothing's going to stay so like when you're at those low points it's okay to like it's almost like a purge like you're getting out all those feelings and a lot of times like you know crying and screaming and stuff like you look like a fucking crazy person but it's it's a purge you know what i mean like you're you're getting you're getting your your emotions back and that's totally okay yep you're like, yeah fucking crazy yeah, no, I mean, it's, it's, um, yeah, the moments like that when you were calling me or you were calling, you know, other friends uh, or, you know, I mean, I was calling my sister during those times, having a support system, you know, I mean, is if you have a support system that does make things, you know, a lot easier to kind of like stabilize your mind in the moment. If you don't have a support system, then it's going to be a lot more difficult. You know, it could take longer to heal. Um, you know, so hopefully, you know, there are people, you know, in, you know, if people are listening to this, that there are people in, in your life that, you know, can be a support, lean on them. Um, you know, when, whenever you're really down, don't try to do it by yourself if you, if you can avoid it, you know? Um, but I think, um, there was another point I had and now it's, it's just, you know, but you, you got derailed. I don't know. <laughs> you, you got derailed. Well, I'm listening uh, to you too. And like, another thing for me is like, you, it is possible to be your own support system because they devalued you for so long. And now you do like, I, I, I saw something early on in um, like my healing journey. And it was like, no one's coming to save, like no one's coming to save you, bro. Like this is really on you. And, um, I remember, uh, I remember seeing a meme and it was a meme of like a stick figure and they were abandoned on an island. And they were standing at the end of the island screaming help, like just screaming into the abyss, like screaming help. And then there was another part of the meme that took um, like cut down some trees and made a fire and like cut down some trees and like in the woods spelled out help on the island. It's like you you can't just stand there screaming help. You got to make moves. And 
So like the moves that I started making was like, um, you know, I took a pretty good hiatus from dating and stuff like that. Like I took like a solid six or seven months from dating, but then a move that I made was dating myself because my ex never really wanted to date me. So like I work in New York city and I'll be like, okay, remember those restaurants I wanted to take her to like, fuck it, man. I'm not above like, you know, eating by myself in a restaurant that I've always wanted to go to, or I'm not, you know, I'm not above going sightseeing or going to a sporting event that like she wouldn't let me go to. And like, you are, you, you can be your own greatest support system. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And then, you know, reading audio or listening to audio books when you're doing stuff or reading books or podcasts, obviously, you know, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. Those, those can also kind of, even that alone can be calming too, you know, which I did a ton of, um, you know, when I was, when I was first in my situation that I was in. So, I mean, but I think as far as like healing from there, I mean, it's, it's, you know, a big, a big part of it is, you know, finding ways to find your own little personal Zen in a way, like if it's yoga or being outdoors or, you know, doing whatever, but like your brain is going to have to heal. Like your brain chemistry is going to be off coming out of it. And you're going to have highs and you're going to have lows and you're, because you're, you're, you're in a situation of high anxiety all the time and it fucks with your serotonin levels and, you know, um, everything. If I was with all your like normal brain chemistry that should be operating normally is now completely out of whack and you got to find a way to somehow stay calm in certain situations. And then there's things that will start to arise, whether it be at work and you see something that, you know, what, what, what do they call it? Like a, a flashback, but it's like a, you know, like, huh? Well, yeah. PTSD in like the very literal sense. Yeah, it's PTSD for sure, but it's I, I I think there's like a there's a term I can't think of the term right now, um, but basically like you know a situational flashback to where it brings you back to a certain time and and just completely triggers your PTSD into like full force, and then you start questioning your own sanity. You know, if you're not careful, you know, you're like, what the fuck is wrong with me? Why did I get so triggered? Why does it, you know, why do I so why did I jump from zero to a hundred so quickly? You know, uh, being able to navigate through that and actually like listen to yourself and your patterns in your body. Like if you just like brush it off and pretend like it didn't happen, it's not really going to help either. You're going to find yourself back in those types of moments. But like trying to figure out like, yeah, the PTSD is the motherfucker. That's the one that really fucks with me still, you know, because moments and I and, you know, yeah, I, I can't go too much into certain topics, but there's there's moments that I that I fight that, and I'm just kind of like, oh man, I'm like here I am again, here I am again. Didn't ever want to be back here, and then I just just like, and then it's almost like you know our our personalities in general, like being like me being like an empath for sure. Um, like it really, I get really down on myself, and even down back to like my family's roots of, you know, I grew I grew up super religious, you know. And so I think having that religious background, I think you automatically um, are kind of, you know, you have guilt ingrained in you because everything you do is a sin. It seems, <laughs> you know, and it's like, you know, you like simple, normal, like human like, traits, you know, like the thoughts or whatever. Then it's like, oh, I feel guilty about that. I feel guilty about that. Like, you know, um, and it's just like there's a lot of things from you know 
who I was in the past to who I am now that I've had to kind of like wash off me and just like be able to like be okay with. And I think it, I think honestly, like even my upbringing is what brought me into the situation that I was in, um, in a lot of ways, because I was just kind of used to being like a server's heart, if you will, you know, but then like taking on too much responsibility and feeling a lot of guilt and shame if things were not, you know, up to the standards that I felt they needed to be up to. And it's the same thing when it comes to like being triggered by PTSD and having these moments of lapse of judgment. Um, and then once you come out of that rage filled, you know, trigger on the other side of that is guilt. And like, am I even getting better? Am I even changing? You know, like, yeah, I'm like, am I even making any progress? Well, yeah, it's progress. Yeah, so like you and I, we were talking offline last night on the phone, and I was telling you this story about, so my visitation with my kids is normally on Tuesdays and Thursdays, uh, and I have them for dinner on Tuesdays and Thursdays. Now, I haven't told anybody at work that I'm missing my kids. Nobody knows at work, and I'm just kind of keeping the status quo because what am I going to do? Tell my work, oh, no, I don't need to leave. I have a restraining order. Why am I going to fucking tell them? So- I'm still leaving at 2 p.m. to get to my kids for dinner, but it was funny. So, like, on normal cases, when I want my kids, you know, when I'm going to see my kids, um, I'm kind of, like, speeding out of New York City to get to my children, you know? Like, and I'm like, oh, I'm going to make sure I get this train and stuff. And I was, the other day, I was leaving work, and I was rushing to Penn Station, where the trains come in and out of New York City. And uh, I got there, and I'm like, why did I just fly down here? Like, there's no point. And I literally stood. <laughs> I wonder if anybody's... But nobody. I stood in in Penn Station and I just started hysterically crying in public. This was like a week ago. And I'm like, my body just intuitively wants to get to my kids and I can't do it. And I just started hysterically crying. And then, so I called my aunt and I, and I mentioned on prior episodes, uh, you know, prior episodes of this podcast, like I got my family back after not seeing them for so long. And my aunt is one of my biggest confidants. And so I called my aunt and I'm like, um, I'm just having a panic attack. I'm just crying because I miss my kids so much. And she gave me some really good advice. And what she said was, she goes, listen, Mac, I don't want to like, she's like, I'm not invalidating what you're saying. She goes, but I do want you to understand that right now, nothing's happening to you. Yes, you're missing your kids and stuff. But like right now, nothing's happening to you that you're not doing to yourself like you are in your head and she's like try and pull yourself out of your head right now and i'm like no that's absolutely totally fair like i do miss my kids but like the world around me is not crumbling you know the sky is not falling i'm really truly doing this to myself and it gets to a point where you're like okay like it's grounding you know what i'm saying it's grounding to like be like okay like yeah, I got to pull myself out. I got to distract myself. Maybe I'll just stay in the city and I'll go walk around or, you know, maybe I should stay at work, but I'm not going to because I don't want them to know my story. But I think you get my point. It's like you well, just find ways to get out of your head. Hopefully people aren't listening to this that you work with. <laughs> I haven't told anybody at my work about this. <laughs> All right. I know, right? You're like, yeah, I, I, I lied to my work. And next thing you know, you should. Your fire. <laughs> They're super lenient about shit, but um, yeah, man. So my point is, is like, there's all these different kind of coping mechanisms, but like, you know, I I try and ground myself. I try and ground myself and live in the reality because not only was I gaslit 
for so many years, but like I'm guilty of gaslighting myself and thinking like, yeah. did that really happen? Am I really a narcissist? Like, am I the narcissist or was I really abused or am I just doing this all for attention? I posted that on Instagram. I shared some points. Like, am I just doing this all for attention? Like, no, she fucking literally hits you, screamed at you. Like you have it. And then it goes back to when we were talking about the evidence and stuff, right? Like fucking have this shit so you can lean on it down the line when you need it. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I, I've been there who knows how many times. And I think, you know, they, and then they always say, you know, people always say, if you're questioning, if you're the narcissist, you're not the narcissist, you know, uh, but sometimes that doesn't help. <laughs> if you hear it sometimes, like when you're in those moments and you're at those breaking points, like it, it doesn't help. And the, yeah, and gaslighting yourself is, and, and that also boils down to all the gaslighting that's happened throughout the course of your relationship too. Like you have kind of been trained to not trust your own instincts that you are only supposed to trust the narcissist in your life right. you know like they tell you like oh no that didn't happen you're like okay that didn't happen because you just accept it so that you can move on in the argument right yeah otherwise you're just going to sit there in limbo and go back and forth and it's like you know and then you're and then your own sanity you know your own memory comes into question so often that eventually you know, you just start to believe, oh, I, I just have bad memory. It's just, that's just who I am. I just have bad memory. You know, you know, it's funny. I used to argue with my ex about that, like having a bad memory because my memory is fucking solid, man. And you know, it's funny, like everybody knows who follows me on social media and stuff. Like music is such a big thing to me, man. And like, I am an encyclopedia of music lyrics and my, my, I used to fight with my ex and feel like, oh, you just forgot. You just forgot. I was like, no, man. Like I remember she used to tell me that like, I remember stupid stories. And yes, it does involve music, but like I remember she used to do like diving competitions to if I ruled the world by Nas, if anybody knows that song. So like if I ruled the world by Nas reminds me of her, like because of her diving competition from when she was a kid that like I wasn't even fucking there for. You know what I mean? Like my memory is pretty fucking good, but for the same token too, that's one of the PS PTSD symptoms that I've realized that I've acquired is... um. I do have a bit of forgetfulness, like I'll, you know, forget tasks that I have to do. I just, I just dread when it happens at work because I don't want to. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I, I get, I get super, I get easily distracted now where I never got distracted before because like I get inside my, it's like my computer and then like I have a whole task list of things I know I need to do. And then as soon as I get to my computer, my mind just goes blank and I'm just like, uh, what am I doing? Right. Shit, what do you do first? I do second. Like, even right now, as we're talking, like, as soon as I get off this call, I got to do work. And I'm just like, what? I got to do work, but what am I do supposed to do? Get better? Do you think that'll get better for us? I mean, you know, I mean, I, I try to create a system. I think that's really the only thing you can do is try to create systems, you know? And because, I mean, at this point, you know, being the age that we are, you know, we're over 20-something at this point, um, you know... Uh, the only way to change your your practices is by hyper-focusing on it and creating some kind of system to hyper-focus on it. Because if we're not hyper-focusing on it, you know how they would say your brain reaches your, you know, maturity at what, 24, 25, depending on, you know, the person. Once you... I was an idiot at 24, 25. Well, for sure. So was I, you know. But I mean, at the time, like your brain is fully developed at that point. So up to that point, it's easier to change bad habits, you know. After that point, the only way to change those habits you want to change is by extreme hyper focus on those situations or patterns. You know, if you are a 
religiously sleeping in till 11 a.m. or 12 p.m. or something like that, it's not going to change unless like you make it a priority and it has to be at the forefront of your mind because you're not going to change it subconsciously, you know? So those things are probably not going to get better for us unless we start creating patterns, you know, like I try to write a task list every day. The days I don't, I'm fucked. Like I'm all over the place, you know? And, and I have to your point, like the patterns that were created within the relationship is what we became so accustomed to. So now it's like patterns are not a bad thing. You continue making those patterns, but they're um, more productive patterns. I like how you just use that word. Yeah. Yeah. So basically, you know, there's going to be quite a few things when coming out of a relationship to where you're basically going to have to retrain or, you know, or, uh, you know, unfuck your brain basically and get it. I remember listening to your podcast when you started using unfuck your brain. So for anybody listening right now, Phil is the guy where I jacked out from his podcast. Like, cause he talks about, um, uh, we can't get into specifics, but I used to say with my kids, right? Like every time I'm with my kids, I have to unfuck their brains. And I got that from Phil and it's so funny. I'm so glad you put that on this podcast. Unfuck your brain. <laughs> so good. I mean, it's a it's a jarring thing to say, you know, and I feel like it's the most fitting way to say it, you know, and it, 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 because it's like, damn, that's kind of, you know, morbid. But at the same time, it's it's, you know, it's a pretty serious thing and it needs to be taken seriously. So I feel like that phrase fits better than just being like, you need to reprogram it. No, it's more than a re- <laughs> you need to unfuck it like it's fucked. I think. That, you know. needs to be, that needs to be put in like, you know, some sort of medical documentaries like <laughs> on yeah. fuck their brains. What? Medical journal for, uh, you know, crass, you know, crass things to say. A crass medical journal. Maybe we could write that. Yeah. It's like a, you know, urban dictionary, but for like medical. The urban dictionary of narcissism. <laughs> Dude. Uh, All right, man. So listen, we're coming to the end of the hour. I, uh-huh. I said, and like usual, our, our our conversations digress. Like, yeah, they totally digress. They always digress. Well, listen, man, we're coming to the end of the hour. And, you know, we and I, bo- you and I both want to get ready to watch our football games later today. But, dude, thank you so much for being such an integral part of my recovery. I mean, like, you are easily in my top three, if not five, support systems that I have. And like, it's funny too, because like. This is actually the first time you and I have ever been on video, but like you and I were talking offline last night and I was like, yo, if you came out to the city or if I came up to visit you or something like, I feel like we would be, it'd be like we knew each other for fucking ever. Yeah. No, it, it, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, it, it would just be like, you're my brother. It doesn't, it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Like we bond over music and like that, that was the big thing of how you and I, you know, bonded was over like, cause we have similar music tastes and. You know, I told you about the Gaslight Anthem. I was like, bro, you got to get on the Gaslight Anthem because they're like the the symbolism of this whole fucking journey, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah, we we uh, we uh definitely bonded over quite a few things. You know, now we're trauma bonded. Oh, well, <laughs> well your, bird, your bird's not going to like that. What's that? Your bird's going to triangulate us. Oh, probably. Yeah, he's going to isolate me eventually. <laughs> oh, and one more thing. Thank you for inspiring me to grow a beard. Cause you got that whole lumberjack thing and, and, uh, you know, I'm on the, I'm on the Phil bandwagon. 
I'm a, I'm a disaster right now, but yeah, it's looking, it's looking good, man. You look, you look, you look very sharp with the beard. I, I will. Need... <laughs> I'm trying to jack the, the Phil lumberjack look. Anyway, guys, so thank you so much to Phil for doing this. As I mentioned in the beginning of the episode, if you want to check out his story, he's got his own podcast, which saved my life. It's called Surviving the Covert Narcissist. And I like it. It's very much like the sonic youth of podcasts. And the reason I say that is it's like it's raw, it's gritty, it's unedited. It's just fucking Phil with a microphone and just telling it like it is, man. So thank you for saving my life, Phil. <laughs> That you're the reason I did it, man. You know? So, I, I appreciate you. the hell out of you. All right, guys. Until next time, everybody. <laughs>